Here is another powerful message from New Vision Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. To hear the rest of this series and others, join us at newvisionlife.com. Good to see you guys this morning. We're continuing on through this amazing book, Romans and the New Testament. Paul's really, it's his masterpiece. And we're preaching through this. Nick and I are preaching through that. We're not covering every verse and obviously every chapter and every verse, but we're hitting some high points. But we also have this resource that's new for us for this series. We've never done this before. Every single day there's a podcast that uh, different members of our staff are doing, and uh, they have been really good. Um, I say that because mine hasn't come up yet, so it's all been, been theirs. But Amy and I have really enjoyed that. So it gives you a chance to go verse by verse through Romans, and every morning, whether that's on the treadmill or in your commute, about 15 minutes of listening to the Scripture, and then just getting just a short devotion from that passage. So it's been exciting. Been some really good emails, and folks uh, have enjoyed that, so I hope you'll take advantage of that. Now today, if you're in your, uh, have your Bibles, as Nick said, we're in Romans chapter 7, and this is a chapter that has really encouraged me. I, I hope, if you're a believer in Christ today, I hope you leave here encouraged and, and better equipped uh, for really what we're going to call life's most important battle, because that's what Paul's going to talk about today. He's going to talk about the most important battle in life, and this isn't a figure of speech. It isn't some sort of preacher talk. This is just a real-life battle that if you're in Christ is going on inside of you. It's a battle between the flesh and the spirit. Now, you might say, well, what is the flesh? Is that just sort of my, my skin and my bones? No, our flesh is really all of us. It's our, it's our body, soul, and spirit, but it's really that part of us before we came to faith in Christ. It was that old operating system. That might be the best way I know how to explain it, our old operating system. And it's, so the way we made decisions, what we, what we believed, it was how we behaved. And a part of our flesh, what is so important to understand about our flesh is our flesh puts ourself on the throne. It exalts self, so we're given to pride, to selfishness, all those things. But then when we come to faith in Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit, so we have a new nature. And so what Paul is doing is Paul is talking about this battle between our flesh uh, and our, our spirit. And so I want to read you a passage, Romans chapter 7, verse 15. Then I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to ask you this question. How many of you can relate to what Paul's saying? Now, again, before I read this, this is the person who wrote the majority of the New Testament. Some would say this might be the greatest Christian who has ever lived. And listen to what Paul says in Romans 7, 15. Paul says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Is there anybody here in this room, anybody watching online that would say, I can relate to that? Can anybody relate to that? <laughs> yeah, I, I can too. I can relate to that. Well, well, some would say, well, this is Paul talking about his life before he came to faith in Christ. Well, well the problem with that is in the original language, Paul is writing in the present tense. So he's not talking, uh, uh, in my opinion, about his life before he comes to, came to faith in Christ. He's talking about this battle that we all have between the flesh and the spirit. Uh, this past week, um, it was Amy's birthday, and so some friends took her out to dinner. I think it was Tuesday night. She got home kind of kind of later, and uh, she was setting she had some gifts. She was setting some stuff down on the kind of the bar there in our in our kitchen, and uh, I noticed them. It was these. Uh, I love these things. These chocolate covered almonds with this little sea salt on them. They're really good. And she went upstairs. <laughs> yeah, you kind of see how this deal's about to go down. And I had a couple, and a couple, I, to be honest with you, the next 10 minutes gets really fuzzy. <laughs> I, just, I just remember her coming down, and she said, are you, are you eating my birthday gift? Yeah. And she said, are you serious? Dead. 
She said, I cannot believe that, I, that, that was a gift that, that, that Janice gave me for my birthday. And you just, you've just sit, sit here and eaten just about every one of them. What's wrong with you? I said, that's a great question. We need to delve into that deeper. There's a lot wrong with me. So what, what I want to do, I don't do. I'm like Paul. I mean, who eats their wife's birthday gift, for crying out loud? There was a lady Thursday night at the Thursday night service. I told that, and she was like, I mean, she got just physically angry. She was like yelling, oh, my goodness, you ate. And the rest of the night, I'd look at her, and she was just shaking her head like, I'm so disappointed in you, Pastor. <laughs> it gets worse. I don't know what to tell you. Um, this past week, or two weeks ago, I went to lunch. There were some pastors here in town, and we went to lunch. And, and so we were kind of at the table, and one of the guys said to one of the other pastors, he said, well, you should buy, because you've got the bigger church, so you should buy lunch. And I said, I don't think his church is bigger. In my mind, I don't think his church is bigger than mine. It's not my church, but I, this is my flesh. My flesh like, starts getting, like, mad. I'm like, well, he, well, I mean, I want to buy. I think, I think. And then I'm greedy, and I said, well, I don't want to buy, so I'm glad he's buying. But so in my mind, I mean, why do I care about that kind of stuff? You see, in fact, when you read Romans, it's like looking at Paul's journal. Nick said this. I think it's a brilliant statement. But if you, you know, what Paul is going to say in Romans chapter 7, if somebody said it in your small group, like, we'd be uncomfortable with that. We'd be like, whoa, Paul, you've overshared a little bit, buddy. Back off. But if you could read my journal, if I'm honest with you, There's a lot of entries about frustration with my pride. I would have thought after this long of knowing Jesus that I I wouldn't still be struggling with pride sometimes at the level that I do. If you could read my journal, I'm frustrated that I'm still struggling with self-control in some ways that uh, I'm ashamed of. If you could read my journal, I'm still struggling with jealousy in some areas of my life and complacency. So what's the matter? Well, this is what's so encouraging about Romans chapter 7. Paul is honest about what's going on in his life, and he tells us where all this comes from. It's really from our old belief system, our old behaviors that we're drawn back into. It's this old operating system we call the flesh that is void of Christ, and so it's in a constant battle with this new nature we have in Christ. And so we're going to see today how we can really be released. But before we do, before we pick up in verse 15 of Romans chapter 7, it's important to think about what Paul says in the very beginning because this is an, this is an overarching theme what was so predominant in the Christian culture in Paul's day is, is so many people based their identity with God on their performance or on how well they were doing, really, in obeying the law. And, and they felt like, you know what, if, if I performed well enough, then I could get God's acceptance. And then when they didn't perform well enough, then there was this cycle of sort of dysfunction and, and guilt and shame and, that happened in their life. And I think that's so true for us today. As, as well, because we want really performance-based religion, and we're sort of like a moth to the flame to go back to this old operating system. But Paul does something brilliant in the first part of Romans 7. He says, here's the problem with the law. He lays out three things. He says, and when he's talking about the law, he's talking about uh, keeping all of the commandments of God. He says, if, if you're trying to keep all the commandments of God as a basis for your identity with God, here's three really big problems with that. The first one is this. He says, the law was given to reveal sin, but never to release us from sin. 
It doesn't have the power to release us. It just reveals that we do have sin uh, in our life. That was his story. Second, Paul says something that's really earth-shattering. He says, in fact, it is the law that many times increases sin in our life. Because when we see a command, it, 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 instead of kind of freeing us and make us want, making us want to go in another direction, it kind of makes us want to do the very thing it tells us not to do. Right? And so we have a picture here that sort of explains that a little, little bit. Take a look at this sign and look at the children and what the law is doing for them. Don't climb or play around the pipe. Every kid in the water except for five, I think, are playing on the pipe. And that's sort of Paul's point. He said, I saw the law, but just knowing the law just made me want to break the law. And then the last thing that Paul says, he says, is the law really showed me ultimately that I could never keep it. And if I was basing my acceptance with God on, on keeping the law, then I didn't measure up. And he, he says, in fact, we'll put this up on the back screen. Paul says the law in many ways is sort of like a ruler. How many of you grew up in Middle Tennessee? Like you've been here for a long time. And you know what, late 70s, early 80s, remember Opryland, any of you? Yeah, big time, man, big time. My family, kind of a middle-class family, we just had the good times passes, so that meant you couldn't get into after seven, so all the rich kids had the season passes. All my friends who had money, see, they could just come and go whenever they want. We sat out there till seven o'clock till they were tired, and then we could go in for the last three hours, and I mean, just hit it hard. But so when you went in, the, the coolest rides, the coolest rides had this sign. Remember the sign, you had to be this tall to ride? In order to do that, Paul says that's kind of the way the law is. The law is like a ruler. It says you got to be this tall for your acceptance with God. But here's the problem. No matter who you are, none of us measure up. So Paul says if you're looking to the law as a means for your acceptance with God, you need to understand that you don't have a, you have a, you don't have a choice. Because if you're looking at the law, looking at the law for your acceptance, you have to keep all of it, and none of us have done that. So that was his point. But now he's going into this battle of the flesh and the spirit. And the reason why I took that time to do that is, is what is a part of our flesh is to go back to the law, go back to that old uh, performing for God kind of system that just creates a lot of problems in our life. So let, let's look at this. Look at verse 15. Here Paul starts this section. The Apostle Paul, who's writing Romans, who writes so many of the letters in the New Testament, listen to what he says. I don't understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. Paul goes on to say in verse 16, and if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. Verse 17, as it is, it is no longer I myself who do, do it, but it is sin living in me, this, this old system, this old operating system that is calling me back. For I know, verse 18, the, the good itself does not dwell in me, that is in my sinful nature. Now, the NIV, which I'm reading from, is the only translation that uses sinful nature here. All Your translation probably uses flesh. What is that flesh? That's that old operating system. That's our old beliefs and our old behaviors that are sort of calling us back. Paul says, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. In other words, when I'm operating under that old system, I can't really break free from any struggle that I'm having, whether that's lust, whether that's greed, whether that's anger, whatever it is. Verse 19, for I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, you don't have to nod and you don't have to raise your hand, but isn't that our story? Isn't that the frustration that we feel many times in the, in the spiritual life? And isn't it maybe true of you that you weren't really prepared for this? I think so many people, when they come to faith in Christ, they think, you know what? You're born again. You're going to heaven. And, and, and you know, life's going to be great from this point on. And we're not prepared for the battle within. But Paul is really trying to prepare us for, for, for this battle. Verse up. Verse 20, now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me. Verse 21, this could be my life verse, man. Look at this. I think this is a, 
important verse. Listen to what Paul says. So I find this law at work. Now, when he makes that statement, he says, I find this law at work. He's not talking about the Old Testament law. Really, another word that he could use there is I find this reality or I find this principle that is at work. Listen, so I find this law or this principle at work. Listen to what he says. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. He's talking about this battle between living for the Spirit and then being pulled back into the flesh. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. Now, here's another thing. We could talk about this forever. This is one of the reasons why I know in this section that Paul's a believer, because an unbeliever doesn't delight in the law of God. Does that make sense? An unbeliever doesn't have a delight in the Word of God. And here's something that is so amazing. I, I just want to touch on it. We could spend hours talking about this. This is, this is one of the evidences of a new nature. This is one of the evidences that a person is born, born again. Their desires change. You see, Paul's saying, now I have this new desire, and, and the old way, it, it still draws me back. But he's got to be honest, it doesn't taste as good. Those old behaviors, those old beliefs, that old stuff, it doesn't taste as good because of something new I've found in this life in the Spirit. I just kind of grew up in a country family. That's kind of who we were, just kind of more or less country folks. And, and so we, we always had a garden, you know, like we grew like 8,000 pounds of squash a year. I don't know why. I mean, that was what we were best at. I hated squash. We had it like every single night. And my family just always shamed me about not eating squash I mean, I wish we would have grown chicken nuggets in our garden. That would have been, that would have been good. We didn't. We grew, we grew squash. And it wasn't until about 10 years ago that I don't know, all of a sudden, I just I started loving squash. Have you ever had something that you didn't like and then you started liking it? Anybody? And my family is so proud of me. It was like the greatest thing that's ever happened. Brady likes squash. <laughs> we were so worried about him for so many years. But it's, it's talking, see, desires change, and Paul's saying that I have new desires now, and these new desires for this, this life of the Spirit, they're different from those old desires, and so that doesn't taste like it tasted before, and that's just speaking to the power of the gospel to change us from the inside out. I just love that uh, so much. And then, look at this, but I see another law at work with me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin that is working within me. Paul's saying this is a real battle for everyone in this room, that you're in a war between the battle of the flesh and the battle of the spirit. And the goal of the flesh is to make you a prisoner. We'll talk about it. Verse 24, listen to this statement. Paul says, what a wretched man I am. Now, that doesn't sound like the Apostle Paul, who, who says in other places that he's more than a conqueror, who says in, in other places that the old is gone, the new has come. I mean, it doesn't sound, sound like Paul. So what is Paul saying? Is Paul a wretched man? No, I think what Paul is saying is when I'm given to thinking and listening to the old tapes from, the, from that old nature, from the flesh, then this is the way that I feel, even though it is not true about, I know it's not true, but I still feel that way. Now, watch what happens. What a wretched man I am. Here's a question he asks. Who will rescue me from this? this body that is subject to death. In other words, he says, if I continue, if I continue in this old system, who's going to rescue me? And then verse 25, we'll close with this. It's like he snaps out of the fog. 
What does he do? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. He begins to worship. He's reminded of who Christ is and what Christ has done for him. And when he begins to worship, he begins to experience the power that the law never had to liberate him. We'll we'll look at that. If you have your notes, let's take them out for just a few minutes here today. And I want to share five things that I think are keys to having a great battle plan for the fight of your life. Let me just tell you something today. You are in the fight of your life. This has implications for your marriage. If you're here today and and you know what, our marriage is in a tough place. I really wish you'd speak about marriage. This will transform your marriage. Uh, parenting, the way you do business, your emotional life, a struggle with lust, whatever, you, you, you name it. Here's the battle, and here's how we can get some victory. So here's the first thing. As you understand a battle plan for this, this battle between the flesh and the spirit, the first thing is you've got to recognize you're in an ongoing battle with your flesh. You've got to realize that. If you're not aware of that, then you're really, going to, you're really going to be sidetracked by sin. I want to show you a verse. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you thought the section that I just read in Romans chapter 7 was kind of difficult to understand? Anybody thought that? I did. I think Romans can be tough to understand sometimes. And I thank God for Galatians. Galatians is the Cliff Notes version of Romans. And so Paul, Paul in Galatians 5, 17, he tells you in one verse everything he's trying to say in all of Romans chapter 7. Some of you say, well, why don't you just preach on Galatians 5, 17? I want to make it tough on you. <laughs> Look at this. Listen to what he says in Galatians 5, 17. He's going to summarize this, this war going on. He says, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. My flesh, my old, the thief within, that old operating system. And the spirit, the Holy Spirit of God that entered, me, entered into my life at, at salvation. And the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh. What are they? They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. Paul lays it out. This is a battle between the flesh and the spirit. And our greatest problems, please listen to what I'm about to say. Please listen. Your greatest problems aren't external. They're internal. See, most of the time we want to blame somebody else for what's going on in our life. And when you're prone to not take responsibility and blame somebody else, if you're like, you know what, I I could be doing so much better better if my husband had a clue, or if my wife understood me, I'd be doing so much better, or if my boss got it, or if my kid, on, on, and on, you just blame, blame, blame. Listen, when we play the blame game, many times, that's evidence of our flesh, and you say, well, how do you know that's from your flesh? Because here's what the flesh seeks to do. The flesh always seeks to preserve self, right? That's what the flesh does. So it is much easier to blame somebody else than to take responsibility. And so your greatest problems aren't external, even though most people think that. Your greatest problems are internal. It's in this battle between the old nature, the flesh, and your spirit. And you have to understand that. And if you underestimate your flesh, then you're going to be blindsided by sin, and you're going to spend most of your life stuck. In fact, as a pastor, this is what I hear more than anything else. Pastor Brady, I just feel stuck right now. I feel stuck in this behavior. I, still, I feel stuck in this relationship. I, I feel stuck kind of in my emotional life. I just feel stuck. I can't seem to break free from you, you, you fill in the blank. One of the reasons why we're stuck is, is we don't realize the battle that's going on within. If you don't realize you're in a battle, you have no battle plan, and, and, and you're going to be really stuck in your spiritual life. Here's the second thing. Now, you have to think here. You have to think here. I'm going to let you out on time, I promise. Realize our flesh is defeated but still defiant. Now, this is not easy, but you have to, you have to look at this. You have to realize your flesh is defeated but it's still defiant. That's why you'll read the New Testament. There's a lot of passages about us being dead to sin and alive to Christ. So which one is it? Is our flesh dead or is it still alive? Now, let, let, let me say this to you. Um, 
there are pockets of resistance. At the end of World War II, I want to illustrate it this way. At the end of World War II, the Allied forces marched on Berlin and overtook Berlin, destroyed Hitler, took over all of his communication. The Nazi regime is destroyed when we marched in and, and, and took over Berlin. But for the next months in Austria and France and Germany, there were all these battles that were still raging, even though the war was over. In fact, think about this. This is amazing. Do you know that 30 years after World War II ended, 30 years after it ended, there was still a Japanese soldier, Hiro Onoda, in the Philippines who was still fighting the battle. He wouldn't believe any of the propaganda. He was hiding out in the mountains of the, of the, of, in, in the Philippines, and he was still trying to carry out his orders. In fact, the emperor of Japan had to send his commanding officer over, get him, and release him. So for 30 years after the war was over, this guy was still fighting. And you say, what's your point? Listen, there's still pockets of resistance in our life. Do you see that? Our old nature can be defeated, but it is still defiant. I would say it another way. Our flesh is defeated through the power of Christ. When Jesus died on the cross, he paid the penalty for our sin. Do you believe that? Help me. When he rose from the grave, he broke the power of sin over us, right? But there can still be pockets of resistance, and our flesh can still be deadly. In the 70s, I was a kid in the 70s. I didn't, I didn't know anybody who had a purebred dog in the 70s. I don't know. None of my buddies had a purebred dog in the 70s. Everybody just had mutts, right? This is what you had, you know? I didn't know anybody. Now we have a double purebred dog. I call him a mutt. My wife says, no, he's a designer dog. <laughs> like now, nowadays, the thing is to take two great breeds and bring them together, like Reese's Peanut Butter Cups or something in the dog world. So they're like amazing dogs. My dog's name was Rusty. He was a mutt. And uh, he was, I want to be honest, he was mean. It was not a good dude. Uh, he, he bit kids. And so, anyways, don't think less of me. He did. And so, we had to keep him on a chain because he was a mean, mean dog. He was protecting, but he was brilliant. I mean, this dog was brilliant. Let me tell you what he did. In the morning, when we would leave, uh, you know, when my, my dad would leave for work, he would feed him. And Rusty would never eat all of his food. He stayed in the garage on a chain. And he'd keep a few pieces of food. And then after my dad left, he would take his food in his mouth. And one by one, he'd drop three or four pieces of food out on the driveway. And, and then he would go back into the driveway and he would wait and he would watch. You know what he was doing? He was baiting. He was. He knew that birds or other animals would come in to eat that food. And when they would come, my buddies and I, we'd sit at the window for hours and like, watch him, watch him. And when something would land to start to eat that food, he would jump out and boom, nail it. It was like National Geographic in my backyard. <laughs> I mean, this dog was, he was brilliant, man. He, now, here, here's the point. You think, well, you know, thank you for that, Pastor Brady. <laughs> really glad we get to know about your pets as a child. That was super meaningful. What's the point? When I say that the enemy is defeated but defiant, you know, that's what happens in our life. Satan has been limited by the work of Jesus Christ. He's been put on a leash, so to speak. But any time in disobedience, we walk back. That's why the Scripture says that God's Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light into our path to lead us into areas of, of obedience, to provide for us. Anytime God's given us a law, watch this, it is to provide and to protect us. But when we walk in disobedience, we walk right back in to the enemy's leash, to the reach of his leash. And that can have catastrophic, catastrophic effects on your life. Does that make sense? And that's when we begin to kind of lose traction in the war between the flesh and the spirit. Let's look at the third thing. This is super important. You guys still with me? This is the, 
Listen, this is the battle of your life. This is the most, it, it has implications for every area of your life. This is a battle plan for your life. You have to resist the pull and the purpose from our flesh. Now, here's what I mean by that. Look back at verse 21. Paul says, so I find this law or this principle at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me, right? And so what he's saying is every single time in my life, Paul says, that I have a prompting from the Holy Spirit to walk in obedience, there is still a pull from my old nature, making it very difficult. So I want you to feel the pull and not just feel the pull. Let me show you one thing else in in the Scripture, and then we're going to do a little exercise. Look at verse 23. But I see another law at work within me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law, a sin that is work within me. I want you to see that's the purpose of this pull. In other words, there is a desire from your flesh, there is a pull, and then there is a purpose uh, from that pull, and that is to keep us captive, right? That's what the enemy wants to do instead of freedom. Let me ask you a question. We just got to be honest here. It's been amazing. All morning, people have been honest. How many of you, when you looked at the clock and saw that, you know, it's time to get ready and kind of make your way to church to worship, how many of you had another thought like, hmm, be good to stay home today? Any of you? Yeah. Right? Look all around. You're not alone. Those of you who are not raising your hands, maybe not being honest, right? I mean, one dude in the last service, he had like double hands up. Like he was looking at his wife like, yeah. You see, what? that's a pull. That's the pull. That's what Paul's saying in verse 21, that this is a pull that is contrary, contrary to the Spirit. I mean, tomorrow morning, I, I believe this. I may be wrong. I think most people, if you've been privileged to, to be in church and maybe be a believer for a period of time, you know it's an important thing to start your day in the Word of God. That's not new, is it? Is that a new statement? I think probably everybody knows that. But it, listen, that is the hardest thing to carry out. Why? Because there's a pull. There will be a pull from your time, for your time, you see? There will be some desire for something that's entertaining instead of just the discipline of being in the Word. Here's all I want you to do. I want you to feel this pull. Wouldn't it be great just to feel the tension and understand where it's coming from? That, you have to identify the pull. Well, that's coming from the flesh. And then you have to ask it another question. If you really want to move to Christianity 201, you have to say, what's the purpose of this pull? Well, the purpose of this pull is captivity, right? So I'm, I'm in a battle. Thursday night after the service was over, I, I got in the car and Amy was here. And I said, you know, how was it? I'm always, because I'm insecure, right? And she said, well, there's never a perfect message. All right. And my flesh is starting to like, oh, okay. She said, you know, and I always feel like if I got one thing from it, that's, that's enough. I mean, I've been preaching for 45 minutes, one thing. So, but she says, you know what? That, that feeling, that pull, I get that makes sense. That makes so much sense. And I, I think that's true today. You know what? If you could leave here with just, just one thing, you could just be reminded of this pull. It's not abnormal. Paul had that pull. And, and understand the purpose of that pull is captivity. And then I, I, I think you got I think you got a fighter's chance in many ways. You know, tomorrow there'll be an opportunity to take a stand probably and share the gospel with somebody, but there'll also be just in a direct opposition, just a chance to compromise your faith. Right? There'll be a chance to be generous. There's a chance to be generous, but then as soon as we have thoughts of generosity, just kind of greed begins to sweep in in our life. There's a chance to take a stand for purity, and maybe that's where you are, to really take a bold stand for purity. But as soon as you start doing that, there's this pull back to just satisfy and have a, just a pleasurable experience in that moment because that's what our flesh does. It just takes us back to these old beliefs and old behaviors. St. Francis of Assisi uh, said this. He, he called his flesh... My brother ass, don't email me about that. This donkey, and what he's saying is, is this. He said, you know what, that's what my flesh is like, a donkey. It's just stubborn. Every single time there's a desire to walk in obedience, I just feel that stubborn pull. 
John Owen, the great Puritan preacher, said this is an amazing statement. He said that we ought to be killing sin or sin will be killing us. And so we have to understand and be in this real battle with this pull, understanding the desire and then understanding the purpose of that desire, the pull and the purpose. Now let, me give you, let me give you a verse, Romans 13, 14. This is so good. Paul says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. The way he writes that in the original language is that's something that we do every single day. Every single day, I have to make it a point to, to feed this new nature that I have in Christ. And how do I, how do I put on the Lord Jesus Christ? Uh, the first thing we do is I put, my word, put his word into my mind. That gives me a chance to put on. I choose to walk in repentance instead of going back into my old nature. But listen to what Paul says. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. To gratify his desires. Now, I remember my grandmom used to say this. My grandmom used to, two things used to just torque my grandmom. In the summertime, if you left the door open for like three seconds, she would go, she would go nuts. Like, what are you trying to do? Trying to air condition the whole town? No. Close the door. And then if you let food out, if you let food out, she was so afraid of ants. Like, you're going to feed the ants. Like, they're going to overtake us. Like, this is a bad movie. We're just carried off. What happened to them? I think it was ants. He got them. Carried them down the street. You don't leave any food out. But see, here's the question to ask. Am I leaving any food on the table for my flesh? I think many times when we don't walk in true repentance in our life, we just leave food out for the flesh and we're drawn back to it. Colossians 3, 9 and 10, do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. I'm just trying to see this is a daily battle of putting off, dying to this old self, being alive to this new nature, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So how am I renewed in knowledge? By renewing my, my mind, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Now, let's look at number four. Here's the fourth thing. We're almost done. Knowing is a great part of your battle plan. Knowing we have ultimate victory changes our outlook in the fight. Most believers have the hardest time with this. And I think it's one of the reasons why most believers stay, stay stuck. I would say about this section and this battle between your flesh and your spirit, if you're in Christ, this is a battle that you cannot lose. This is a battle that you are going to win because who is alive within you? On December 41, or excuse me, in December 1941, it was a dark time for England. Winston Churchill felt like, because of what was going on in the war, that England would be destroyed and Britain would be controlled. And then when Churchill heard about the attack on Pearl Harbor, he immediately called FDR. When he called FDR, our president at the time, here's what FDR said to Churchill after that attack at Pearl Harbor. He said, well, Winston... We're all in the same boat now. You see, it was the attack at Pearl Harbor that brought the United States into World War II. Listen to what Churchill said or wrote in his memoir after that conversation. Churchill later wrote this. He said, no American will think it wrong of me to proclaim that hearing the U.S. was on our side was the greatest joy to me. England would live. Britain would live. The rest of the war was simply proper application of overwhelming force. The rest of the war was simply proper application of overwhelming force. Churchill ended it this way. He said, I went to bed and slept the sleep of the saved and the thankful. Can I tell you something this morning? If you're in Christ, 
in this Christian life, in this battle between the flesh and the spirit, the Holy Spirit of God who dwells inside of you is overwhelming force in this battle against the flesh. That's what you have. You have overwhelming force and his presence alive within you guarantees that victory. And listen, that means something. That offers you hope because one of the things that just spins us out is we get so discouraged and have so much despair when we're prone to kind of fail in an area of sin in our life. But understanding that's overwhelming force and learning how to apply, which we're going to get into in Romans 8, is going to be the difference. This is a battle that you cannot lose in understanding that it changes your outlook on the war. It offers you some confidence and some hope, and that, in fact, is a key to you walking in greater levels of victory. So let's close it out today. Here's what we've said in these five things from this passage. You've got to recognize we're in an ongoing battle between our flesh and the spirit. You have to realize our flesh is defeated but can still be defiant. Number three, we have, to, we have to learn how to resist the pull and the purpose of our flesh. Feel it. Number four, knowing we have ultimate victory because of the overwhelming force, the Holy Spirit alive within us, it really changes our outlook in the fight. And then lastly this. It leads us to collapse in worship. I have to tell you this. If you ask me in the last couple years, what's the greatest lesson you've learned? It's this. I am a person in my battle between the flesh and the spirit. I'm a person who can be exceedingly anxious at times. I'm a person who can be given over to periods of discouragement and despair and, and sometimes even leading into some depression. And so it was such a hard thing for me to shake loose from that and, and feel like God was giving me the upper hand in those areas until I begin to apply this principle. And I'm not saying, please listen to this, I'm not saying that we will get to a place in our life where we have ultimate victory in every area in the battle. You just won't. You won't. We'll always be at some level in this battle between the flesh and the spirit. We'll always be desperately in need of God's grace in our life. Do you see that? We'll always be utterly dependent upon him until one day we step into the kingdom and we'll be done with it for good. And that's good news, isn't it? I long for that day. But in this in-between time, listen to what Paul says in verse 24 and 25, and we'll close with this. This was a rule changer for me, and my prayer is that would help you. Paul says, what a wretched man I am. Have you ever felt there when you're, just, when you're just letting the old nature just speak lies about you from your past and you're just believing these things and they're just, they're just beating you up, aren't they? And you just you, you feel so discouraged. Paul's feeling that way. He asks a great question, where does my rescue come from? Who's going to rescue me from this body that is subject to death? And then look at verse 25. Thanks be to God who delivers me. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, he starts to worship. He starts to worship. Watch what he doesn't do. And this is so important. Listen to this. You and I have to, we have to change our focus from our sin to our Savior. See, the problem, what keeps so many of us stuck is in the midst of the battle, we're so focused on our sin and we just keep beating ourselves up with the sin, whether that's anger, greed, lust, you name it, just focusing on the sin. As long as you focus on the sin, You'll never be free from it. But in the midst of that, if you, you start focusing on the Savior, you will begin to experience His power to liberate you. And that's worship. 
Man, there are times, and this is a moment-by-moment thing in my life. If I can just let you into my life for 30 seconds. This is a moment-by-moment thing in my life. When I'm beginning to feel the pull back to the flesh, you're not good enough. You haven't done enough. All of that, and I'm beginning to believe that my acceptance with God God is based on my effort when I'm not having the best day spiritually, and I'm listening to those old tapes from the flesh telling me that, you know, God's disappointed. He doesn't really love me. All All that junk. You say, Pastor Brady, do you wrestle with that? Yes. You know, here's what I do. I'm learning to stop and just declare about God who I know him to be. That's what worship is. Start to praise him just in your mind. I mean, it's not like you have, to, you have to get out and get in the yard and raise your hand and start singing like Pam or Robert. I'm, Robert, I'm not saying that. Just start declaring in your mind who you know God to be. Start thanking him for his power, for his grace, and for his mercy. And realizing this, realizing this, your acceptance, this has helped me so much. I hope it's going to help one person here. Your acceptance from God is not based on your performance for God. Do you understand that? Your acceptance with God is based on His grace and His mercy. And if you believe that your acceptance with God is based on your performance from Him, then then you think you deserve something from it and you'll never be liberated. You see, here's the irony of the Christian life. Those that really start getting better those that start having some victories in this battle between the flesh and the spirit are those who realize that their acceptance by God is not conditioned on them getting better. That God loves them right where they are in the midst of the mess that is going on. And you begin to focus on his love and his grace and his mercy and his power. And it is that that will transform you and begin to liberate you. You go back under performance-based religion, you'll begin to spin out. Hey, let me close with this thought. There are only two people on planet, two types of people on planet Earth. Paul makes it pretty clear in this passage. There are soldiers in the fight. That's men and women here in this room today that would say, you know what, I can relate to Paul. This is a fight. I want to honor God, and yes, I realize I'm constantly pulled back into my flesh, and, I, and, and I'm a soldier in the fight. How do you know you're a soldier in the fight? Number one, sin grieves you. Paul is grieved. He's convicted by his sin. That's evidence the Holy Spirit's alive within him, right? Paul has a delight to do, a desire to do the will of God. Where's that coming from? That's evidence the Holy Spirit alive within him. You're either a soldier in the fight, you're learning more how to appropriate this overwhelming force through the Holy Spirit to walk in greater levels of victory, or listen, or you're a POW, you're a prisoner of war. You're either a soldier in the fight, or you're a prisoner of war. And you say, what in the world are you talking about? What do you mean a prisoner of war? There isn't a new nature within you. The flesh still has complete and utter control over you. You may think, I'm amazed, I'm amazed at living in the South that I still meet people every single day that believe this. And there are some of you here today that believe this. Here's what you believe. You you still are basing your standing with God on your performance or your effort. If I were to ask you today... That if you were to stand before God and you were to st- he were to say, why should I let you into my kingdom? It's just an old question. You've heard it multiple times. Here's what you would say. Your answer would be something based on your performance. But just like that ruler we saw to start this message, 
got to be this tall to ride. You don't measure up. One sin has separated you. You're a prisoner of war. You've never received the overwhelming force through the power of the Holy Spirit. But today, you came in here a captive. Listen to me. You could walk out of here in freedom. That doesn't mean that all your problems are going to go away because they won't. But here's what it does mean. The Holy Spirit of God will dwell inside of you now and give you that overwhelming force that will allow you to begin to walk in freedom that you've never had before. I want to pray for you. Father, thank you for this moment in time. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the honesty that Paul has to share the struggle that he had in the battle between the flesh and the spirit that offers us encouragement and, Father, truth to begin to liberate us. Help us to apply that in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we'd like to invite you to one of our Sunday morning services. We meet at 820, 940, and 11 a.m. If you would like more information or would like to watch or listen to more of our services, please visit us online at newvisionlive.com. This broadcast is brought to you by New Vision Baptist Church, where our mission is guiding people to lives of gospel transformation.